Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. If you're looking to throw some optics on your turkey gun this spring, look no further than the Vortex Defender ST. This is the red dot we're going to be running this season. We're excited about it. This thing's built like a tank, super lightweight, super long battery life, everything you need in a good turkey red dot. And if you want to get a discount on that red dot or any other Vortex Optic, go to eurooptic.com and use the code SGN10 to get a discount. That's eurooptic.com, code SGN10. If you live in the Gulf Coast region, you need to find yourself at the EcoWild Expo May 10th through the 12th in Mobile. It is the premier outdoor expo for the Gulf Coast region, and we're going to be there. We're going to have a booth. We're super excited about it. Can't wait to meet you guys that live down there. We absolutely love the Gulf Coast region, so to be a part of this show, we're super excited about. We're going to have past podcast guests there at our booth for you to talk to, guys who are relevant for your area, who you can talk to, you can pick their brain, you can joke with them, laugh with them, tell them your story, whatever you want to do. It's going to be a awesome time. We're already working on some past podcast guests, but hey, if you live in this area and you have a suggestion for someone you want to see at that show, write in and we'll see if we can get them. There's going to be all kinds of exhibitors at the show that are focused on hunting, fishing, conservation, and recreation. There's going to be activities for the whole family there. They got axe throwing, archery. They're going to have our podcast booth. And then for the kids, they got touch tanks, a honeybee exhibition, a raptor show, kids fishing tank, BB gun range, and a butterfly house. So you're going to love it. Your kids are going to love it. It's going to be an awesome time. So head on over to ecowildexpo.com to get more information on the show and to go ahead and grab your tickets. And hey, mark it on your calendar. May 10th through the 12th. Be there. We want to see you. And we're excited to talk to you. So we'll see you at the EcoWild Expo this May 10th through the 12th at the Mobile Convention Center in Mobile, Alabama. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. Coming at you today for another Thursday breakdown episode as we hurdle towards turkey season one day at a time. Uh, Jacob, how you doing? Uh, doing great. Doing great. Getting ready for NWTF coming up next week. Yep. Okay. Which, yep. by, by the way, I ain't even mentioned this to you, but I kind of got... At least part of our uh, meet and greet setup for next oh, week. Okay, so I was gonna I was gonna announce that real quick. I need to make sure I get the right the the, the time set up. But we're gonna be in the Houndstooth uh, call booth uh, with Lyle Gilbert and also our buddy old David Ellis is gonna be there as well. So, oh yeah, yeah. And then uh, also we're gonna be in the Meadow Creek Mounts booth as well, which is gonna be super fun. So we're really really excited about getting all that stuff ready to roll. And NWTF is gonna be an absolute awesome time. So if you've never gone to the NWTF convention in Nashville, it is a must go to show for a consumer that's into turkey hunting. Even if you're kind of curious, maybe you've never turkey hunted before, but you're just curious about it, it is like the place to go to kind of get introduced to like the culture of turkey hunting. Yeah. And uh, and not only just that, but just meet a lot of awesome people as well. Yeah. I'll tell you what to do. If you're interested in going and, and stocking up on some turkey stuff, is go to that convention and go cruise the show floor about two hours before closing time, maybe th- maybe four hours on Saturday. Closing, on Saturday. Uh, the show it used to be on Sunday. It used to end on Sunday, and man, you go cruising around at like I think it ended at four o'clock on Sunday, and you go walking at like one o'clock, dude. People just give stuff to you. You get deals, baby. You get deals, man. Yep. I, I got my choke. I got ammo. I got camo. I got a turkey vest. Like, all kinds of stuff. Because, like, they don't want to pack it up and bring it home, yeah. you know? They're, they're willing to sell it to you at yeah. a price you've never even heard of. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, that's definitely right. is a hot, hot tip. Hot tip on Saturday. And, hey, look, take your lady up there. Opryland, there's plenty of stuff for the wife or girlfriend or whatever. You know, go show her a good time in Nashville. It's a, it's a, it's a good. I'm so glad they do it in Nashville, man. Because first of all, it's an easy drive for us, but also Nashville's like a, it's a fun town to go to. For Super sure. fun. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, go, be there. By yeah. the way, so we're gonna be in the Meadow Creek booth. This is on Friday, so the second day of the show starts on Thursday, then Friday and Saturday. Uh, it's booth 1829. Again, Meadow Creek mounts. And we'll be there from 1 o'clock to 3 o'clock at the Meadow Creek Mounts on Friday. So come by, hang out, come check out some of the different sites, uh, check out the different mounts as well. Again, something I've had a lot of success with the last couple seasons. And uh, I promise you, if you're looking to shoot a red dot, you'll really enjoy it. Because, again, you don't have to drill and tap your shotgun. So uh, we'll announce a little bit later on when we uh, figure out the time frame of when we're going to be at the Houndstooth booth. But, again, it's probably going to be on Friday as well. So come by Friday, come hang out with us. Saturday's pretty crazy. So Saturday's kind of a day. We're not going to be floating around. We're going to be floating probably. around. You'll probably be able to find us and also all buddies michael pike yeah tal neal and shane parker are gonna be at the show i think they're gonna get there thursday they're gonna be there all day friday and chris we'll, is gonna be there too isn't he? chris, chris Lepper, uh, he's gonna be there saturday so it's gonna be an absolute blast so you may actually be able to go find the dilla himself old michael pike <laughs> at the show so uh keep an eye out for him especially if you're gonna be there on friday as well so yeah it's, it's gonna be awesome i'm super excited about it. and then also remember February 24th, we have our second annual Hunters Meetup at Weaver Meat Processing. It's going to be an absolutely awesome event. Uh, some live Q&As, talking with different podcast guests. Again, Buckmasters will be there scoring deer. It's going to be an awesome time. But also, we're able to really get to spend a lot of time with you guys, which is awesome. That's one thing I love about doing these live events. Same thing with Andrew as well, is we're able to kind of spend time and talk to you guys and kind of get some of your personal stories of how your season went, what you're going to be doing this turkey season, and also what you're doing to prepare for next season. Uh, and there's going to be a lot of podcast guests as, as well at that event. Free to join or free to be at the event. So again, don't have to worry about spending money. Also free food and free drink provided by Weaver Meat Processing. So excited to see you guys out there in Hearts, Alabama. Mm-hmm. You can go over to the Southern Outdoors Men Facebook page and on 
there, we have the events tab that has all the information on there, the address, everything that you need for, again, uh, Saturday, February 24th for the event. So excited to see everybody there. Yeah, dude. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. Um, so we're, uh, we're doing listener Q&As. I forgot to say that. I forgot my little spiel at the beginning. Uh, we're doing listener Q&As on this episode. If you want to skip ahead to the questions... There are timestamps in the show notes where you can do that. In the meantime, we're going to be uh, talking about other stuff that you know we've got going on, uh, past episodes, things of that nature. Uh, and one of the things I was going to talk about is this coming weekend is the last weekend of Alabama's deer season. So that's pretty much going to wrap up deer season for most people. I know Arkansas runs really, really late. And there might be some other ones that I'm forgetting Find about. Find out Louisiana goes to the 15th of February. Okay. so Parts of North Florida will go until mid-February as well. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. Sad time of year. Sad time of year. Uh, we got a bunch of uh, uh, freaking cameras out in the woods right now that are dead that we got to go get. And I'm trying to figure out when I'm going to do that because like, cause we got NWTF coming up. Then we got the Weavers meet up. And then we got other things that, like, this is a very busy time of year. Like, we always have a lot going on. So I'm like, crap, what am I going to go get those cameras? But I'm so, so, so so eager to go get those cameras. I'm so excited. Because some of them we put in a spot or I put, I put some in spots that uh, that are just the kind of areas that you let them soak. And I might get, you know, of a particular buck that we're looking for, I might get one picture of him in the three months that camera was there, but that's really all I'm looking for. I'm just, I'm just looking to see, like, who exists in mm-hmm. this area, like what caliber buck. Because the, the area that we're hunting is difficult access, um, really cool area to hunt, but it's not the place where I'm going to go spend a lot of time unless I find a really special deer. Yeah. So I'm hoping, I because of how the area sets up, I think that the kind of deer that I'm looking for is in there. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm hoping to confirm it with these cameras that have been setting since, I guess, probably December. Um, yeah, I guess it was sometime in December we put them out. They've been soaking ever since then. Haven't checked any of them. One of them was a cell camera, and it pretty much immediately died. Uh, as as it normally goes with my cell camera experiences. So that one hasn't really sent me anything. It did get a picture of a really nice buck right before it died, and I tried to request the HD photo, and then the camera died. So I, got, I just got to go pull the camera. But there's a video on the camera, but it's like an older model camera. I can't request the video from that one. Mm-hmm. So the video's on the camera. I'm really excited to go see what kind of deer it actually is. But he, it's it looks like a really good buck. Um, but if if I don't get the picture of the deer... Then I think I'm, I'm still gonna, I'm still gonna give that area like a fair shake this summer, mm-hmm. and go in there and probably team up with Shane Parker whether he wants to come and hunt it with us or not, or you know just get his uh like kind of get his guidance on what he would do because he's a little bit familiar with this area, and go in there this summer with the intent of finding a buck because that is one thing that Shane and we ought to talk about this in the future at some point. Shane is exceptionally good at finding deer in that late summer time frame, like big bucks. And I mean, Shane puts a lot of stuff on social media, but he does not put the kind of bucks that he's getting. It People's heads would explode if they saw the bucks he gets on camera, man. He gets really, really quality deer on camera really consistently. And he's just got it dialed. And that's something I've always struggled with. Like I've never been able to really hone in that summer scouting in a way that is actually useful for me in season Actually, until this year on the hunting club mm-hmm. is the first time I've like actually had it work out. But, anyways, um, in that same area that all those cameras are at. What are your thoughts on it so far? I mean, we hunted it a little bit this year, but not really. We didn't put much time into it. Yeah. No. I mean, it's going to produce. The thing is, 
based off this week's episode, guys, that you heard with Daniel Williams, you know, we kind of told some old hunting stories and stuff like that, him growing up. When we have him back on this summer, you guys are going to want to tune in because he mentions at the very end of the episode, if anything y'all are going to do right now, go postseason scout because it will come into relevance for the conversation we're going to have with him later this summer. And I promise you, we are going to have a lot of listener success stories come from that episode. And again, yeah. it might turn to a series because it's probably going to be very long-winded, a lot of details brought out. So you're going to want to go postseason scout, and that's what I'm interested in because we have two years of camera history, at least in one of the areas. Now we have one year of camera history in a separate area where we have non-cellular cameras. And I'm interested in seeing like what Daniel, I've already talked to Daniel a little bit about it, mm-hmm. but some of the things that he does, some things that Shane does that we can kind of go in there and almost already mark off certain time frames of when you should be in the woods in that spot. Yes. And almost just rotate these cameras into d- different spots. Yeah, that's why I'm super excited to see what has showed up on camera. And, and without going into too many details, I mean, we've already kind of discussed these tactics that, that Daniel uses uh, with Daniel outside of the podcast, but I'm really excited to have him on and cover that in more detail later. Uh, we figured that this probably just wasn't the time of year to cover that. And that's one of the reasons that I'm saying, like, dude, if I just get, like, one picture of the buck that I'm looking for in there. And to give people a little bit of backstory without going into too much detail, it's just a, it's just an area that is not necessarily known for big deer, but it's the kind of area that could hold a big deer. Like, it's got... It's got the the cover that you need. Uh, it's got the isolation that you need. Uh, it's pretty high pressure, but there's still plenty of areas where a buck can get away in here, mm-hmm. even though a lot of people hunt it. And through the grapevine, from I think three independent sources, we've heard of a we've caught wind of a of a big deer in this area, uh, like a like a big deer, and um, it it came from three different people completely separate of one another. So I'm like, okay, there's for sure a big deer in here. And it's kind of like one of those things where, uh, you know, people say it's like this big, but is it really that big? And, uh, but if three different people say that, you know, it's this caliber deer and maybe very, very upper echelon caliber of a deer, like for instance, like there, there's, uh, who is it? Like uh, maybe it's Dan and Fultz talked about like, okay, yeah, everyone's seen like a, like a 200 inch deer or whatever, like on this public property in Wisconsin or whatever, I think is what he was talking about. He's like, yeah, everyone's saying it's like a, like a 200 inch deer and he goes in there and like kills the buck and it's like a 160. It's like, okay, it wasn't 200, but it was, it was a 160, you know, it's still like a really big deer. It's bigger than a lot of people have ever seen. So mm-hmm. anyways, um, that's kind of what got us interested. We were already interested in the area, but then we kind of caught wind of that and, uh, pretty interested in it. So, so we'll, we'll see, we'll see what happens, but hopefully again, if there's just one picture, then that, uh, that gives us like a golden nugget going into this year because we know he's there. Um, uh, you know, we could assume that hopefully he made it through the season, mm-hmm. depending on when the picture was taken. And, uh, and then we got a data, like a piece of data that we can use next year, which again is going to tie in with a future episode with Daniel, uh, that's going to be really useful. And, uh, and then I can kind of hone in this summer and, and just scout out the areas that I think I need to know more about. By the way, speak about Daniel. What was your thoughts on the interview and like the conversations, oh, the it, old, old it school so stories? Uh, it was a blast, man. It, it was kind of fun talking to him about his club down around Selma because, again, that that's like a really special part of Alabama. That's that's the black belt. It's got a lot of history. Uh, it's it's really unique. So the black belt is just basically a strip of fertile like black soil 
It starts, I guess it starts in Mississippi. It might yeah, start it even, yeah. uh, but it goes up through Mississippi and like West Point um, comes down through Alabama and kind of curves up through the state. So you go, if you drew a line from like, let me think, I might get my geography right. Um, so from like West Point, Mississippi over to like Tuscaloosa, it's, I think it's just south of Tuscaloosa. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can go down through like Demopolis, Alabama, down through Selma and then over to Montgomery. So it kind of, yeah. It kind of loops through the state, and it's known. They call it the Black Belt Prairie. And we were driving around um, West Point, Mississippi, mm-hmm. sometime last August. And there's parts where you're driving around there where you would think you're in Kansas. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like it's it's prairie. It's Black Belt Prairie is what they call it, and it is. It's like grassland prairie. It's it's super unique. It's super super cool. And me growing up here in Alabama, it's always been like a really storied part of the state. We would go there and rabbit hunt with Mr. Benny back in the day when I was a kid. And uh, we would go hunt all these deer clubs that we weren't able to rabbit hunt during deer season. But after deer season went out, people would let us go run beagles on them. And you'd go on those clubs, and it's just, again, it's so unique. Like, the habitat is like nothing. You know, you're used to hunting pine plantations and stuff. It's just way different. You find giant sheds and giant deadheads all over the place. Like, And there's just so many deer down there. It's like such a unique area. So hearing him talk about that in the 80s, I was like... I don't know. It made me like a little bit nostalgic for something I didn't even have. You know, I was like, "Oh, that sounds awesome, dude!" Like living in the heyday. That's that's pretty cool. Well, what it, were your thoughts? Well, it's kind of funny. So I was talking to uh, Anthony about that interview and, mm-hmm. and Daniel and everything, and he said he he used to be in a club down there um, in Lowndes County, and we were talking about he was talking about like flooding and stuff because Daniel mentioned some of the episodes and stuff about like a little bit of flooding in the water and all kind of stuff. He's like, dude we were talking about like big trucks and all this kind of stuff that like, you know, going through water. He's like, man, he's like, I had my buddy. He had like this giant lifted Dodge. He's like 12 inch lift kit, 42 inch tires, just giant truck. And he's like, there was a time when they went to that club down there and they'd kill a bunch of deer. I don't think they were killing real big deer, but they kill a bunch of deer. And he's like, from the time they turned off the paved road, the time they got to the club it was like six miles of like the the road was completely flooded out like you couldn't see the road all you were looking at is tree lines and you were just like staying in between the tree lines not getting in the ditch with the truck and he's like it was coming up like you know up on the tire of the truck like three quarters away up the tire those big wheels those big tires that's sketchy and uh he's like yeah he's like if we wouldn't have his truck he's like we would need a boat to get there it's like drag he's like there's no way my truck was gonna make it um but he's like he he was he brought the whole thing too he's like that was like kind of like the culture of like kind of going south and like daniel talked about the episode when he talks a lot of guys like in uh that north central part of Alabama, again like around the birmingham area when it came to deer hunting back in that time frame, everybody went south. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever went north. Everybody went south to go deer hunt. And it was just kind of cool hearing that club atmosphere. But also another thing that was funny, when we made the social media posts, we posted a bunch of photos that he'd sent me from like back then. And one was his buddy Jeremy who killed like this gigantic 165, 170-inch deer. Oh, yeah. And it was like one of the biggest deer ever killed in the club. Uh, he was came as a guest to kill a doe. And ended up killing this giant buck, and then was never was al- not invited back. Well, wasn't even allowed to come back. Not even yeah. invited. Like wasn't allowed to come back to the club. And that photo gets so much like responses, and like <laughs> sons of guys that were in the club were commenting. Yes, on there. I saw that, and they're going back and forth. They're like, like, oh man, I remember that. Day. Yeah, like my dad was so ticked off when he killed that deer and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and uh, it was it was kind of cool to kind of go back and read through the comments of all these guys who are like Daniel's age that grew up hunting out there as a kid. Yeah, but it was all their dads hunting. And uh, that's one thing I told Daniel, like, I'd love to get 
maybe like Daniel's dad and uncle on the podcast, mm-hmm. but also getting Mike on the podcast as yeah. well. So he's working on trying to get that contact for us. So maybe we can have his mentor, Mike, on. Yeah, here. we immediately got messages and comments about that where they're like, hey, what about that guy? Yeah, what about getting Mike on the podcast? <laughs> oh, yeah, that'd like, be super fun. We're working on it, man. Yeah, Just, that, that would be awesome to get him on. Yeah, and, you know, you mentioned the uh, everyone in Alabama used to go south, like for deer hunting. And uh, part of that, too, like where Daniel lives now, like kind of up there in that, I guess like Coleman area. That's what a lot of my family comes from up there. So a lot of my family's from uh, like Jasper and Cordova, mm-hmm. which is in Walker County. And back then, they all that all, all of them grew up small game hunters. They were they were squirrel hunters, dove hunters, quail hunters, rabbit hunters. Because there was like there's like no deer up there, and still today it's a low deer density compared to a lot of the rest of the state. Do you think any of your family? You know, do you think one of your family is a little outlawish and like hitting like because well, the, I don't the, know. The, the word on the street was Walker County in Alabama had the highest, I guess per capita, amount of hitmen that lived in Walker County back in like the 60s, 70s, and There's 80s. Things going on in Walker County, like people so. that were hired out by that, that's that's what I've heard that from multiple sources, like very reliable sources, even some guys that were like you know used to be police officers that like oh, there yeah. were some bad dudes that lived in water oh County. dude my, so yeah my 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 grandparents they grew up in cordova and barney and parish and all those and the, like there's probably people listening who were like oh my gosh those because they're like little towns but mm-hmm. you know they were growing up there in like the 40s and 50s and yeah he had some stories son. <laughs> <laughs> he had some stories it's so. like you, you didn't want to get in a bar fight over there because you might you no. and your family might just get yeah dude but my grandfather you know he was born I'm, I think he was born in 1932. He grew up in that part of Alabama, and he killed his first deer when I was like 11 mm-hmm. or something. Like, like they just didn't deer hunt because there was just so few deer back then. They had plenty of land to hunt, but they were they were all small game hunters. Like mm-hmm. that's where they came from. And uh, and then Mr. Benny was very much the same way. Now, Mr. Benny was more Shelby County, uh, Helena, Woodstock, that area in mm-hmm. Shelby County, and he grew up doing the same thing small game hunting squirrel rabbit and whatnot but they also like ventured out and did the deer hunting thing the deer hunting with dogs and stuff like that so uh, we've had mr benny on about that before but it's just i I love that kind of stuff dude because like i'm i'm through and through an alabamian like i love alabama i love living here i love the state and the state history so that aspect of things is like real i I love digging into that about mm-hmm. how you know back in the day everyone was going south and they were hunting that black belt and like that that culture is so strong like I just love talking about it so that was I didn't even know the conversation was going there yeah and and when it did I was like oh yeah I just kind of sat back and took it all in yeah and one thing that was interesting because like so he sent me and I'll post it on the sto- on the on the social media post which if anyone hasn't seen you know, social media posts for the episode. Go look at it because it's got a lot of really cool, interesting photos from back then. But he sent the uh, the pinout board uh, map of the property mm-hmm. that had, like, all the different, like, areas in the fields and stuff marked. And he was talking about he always liked to hunt. I think it was, like, 7A or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. I went and looked at that and, like, looked at it on the <laughs> map and everything. I was like, okay, cool. This is kind of, you know, cool to kind of see some of that stuff. Um, but, yeah, it, it's, it's cool to kind of see, like, what it was like for him growing up, Daniel growing up, hunting with all these guys who were, like, probably really got – hunting hard in like the 60s and then kind of the 70s and then the mm-hmm. 80s and, and so on and like you know be able to like pick all those dudes brains uh and this is to me it's just fascinating to kind of see that in all the different stories but also look at some of the photos of all the big deer they were killing back then yeah like, you know they were killing some nice deer and then every night you know they were, he was talking about like he's like we were killing 160 170 inch deer down there when nobody else in the state mm-hmm. seemed to be like even seeing a deer ever that big yeah um 
And, you know, they were having consistently, like, not everybody was killing that kind of deer on the club, but there was, you know, a handful of dudes that would consistently kill, you know, huge deer like that, which in Alabama, is gigantic. Dude. Yeah, dude. And, and, you know, that still kind of persisted, like, even a little bit today, like, that's still cream of the crop. Like, uh, I was telling Daniel, I was looking at, uh, like, hunting clubs and stuff the other day, just kind of, mm-hmm. like, cruising around the internet, and um, those black belt, like, Montgomery County, dude, mm-hmm. you paying. Oh, yeah, four or five grand, easy. Uh, that's that's cheap. Yeah. Well, that's cheap. Yeah. Like, dude, it's crazy. And even, like, when I was a kid, we grew up hunting uh, some Westervelt property, in, like, just outside of Helena. And um, that property is now the Cahaba River Park. Mm-hmm. So there's, like, a, a state park there. You can't hunt or anything. But that that state park, that Cahaba River Park, was my hunting club. I killed my first three or four deer out there. Like, that's where I grew up hunting. And Westervelt ended up selling that land to somebody, and so we got kicked out of that club. And then, you know, years later, it ended up getting purchased by the state or the county and turned into that park. Mm -hmm. But when we lost that club, everyone in the club was like, well, like, you know, no one thought the club was that good. So everyone was like, well, let's go, let's go find a place down south. Yeah. And so we ended up in Autauga County. No, dude, same thing. Like when I grew up hunting with my uncles, Every one of their hunting clubs was like Green County, Butler County, yep. um, Perry County. Pa- Perry County was a big one like, oh, for yeah. big deer. But like we would go down, like one of the, and I say clubs, like my uncles were always in clubs. But then after a while, like when I got into like, when I was like in grade school, they were always in clubs. And then they started getting, like just getting their own leases. They were a lot more successful with their businesses and stuff yeah. like that. And they, both my uncles owned their own businesses. And, uh, they start leasing property. And like one of my uncles, uh, Michael, which is Anthony's younger brother, and Anthony's been on the podcast a few times. Uh, Michael had a big lease down there. I say big lease for one guy. It was like six, 700 acres in Pineapple, Alabama. Oh, yeah. Okay. And I'm talking about in the middle of nowhere, dude. You're riding down <laughs> I-65 for, it seems like forever. I mean, as a kid, you can go hunt over there. But dude, they get on some freaking huge deer. But they, it was one of those places. They had another place. Um, it might've been in Greene County. And it was a club. It was one of the last clubs I remember them being in, and uh, that club set was kind of interesting because some hunting clubs, like, you know, Daniel was talking about, they had, like, a hunting shack, like, this little, like, cabin thing that people could stay at. Well, I've seen clubs like that, and I've also seen clubs where, like, people bring their RVs down, their campers, stuff like that, and have them set up. This one club they were in, I can't remember how many acres it was, but it was big, but, like, they had probably... At least as a kid trying to remember, you know, I was probably 10, 11 years old when I went down there. I think they had like 10 or 15 single-wide camp uh, trailers down there. They mm-hmm. weren't double-wides. They were all single-wides. And they were like all in rows. Like, you know, and each club member, as part of your dues, you could purchase like uh, uh, kind of like a part of your like club membership. You could add an extra amount of dollars to like get one of those, you know, trailers for like you and a couple buddies, whatever, that were in the club. Yeah. And I remember we went down there, stayed down, and dude, I'm talking about, they were just about falling apart. <laughs> I mean, rats everywhere, mice everywhere, dude. Like, you know, you're getting stuff. I've stayed in some campers like that. And, uh, but it's, you know, big single wides. But, dude, they would, it was one of those places, I think, I'm pretty certain it was Greene County. And, dude, they'd go out, and he, it was like, I think I hunted down there one time with him, and we saw a bunch of deer, but he's like, we they go down there and hunt a food plot and they'd have like you know these half acre food plots quarter acre food plots and he's like it'd be nothing to see fifty deer in the evening that's crazy like just all out there feeding that's crazy was, but he's like they never had big deer because they had so many deer they weren't they weren't killing enough does oh, to yeah. kill enough deer mm-hmm. so you had and that's like that's like a weird thing that you see especially with a lot of guys that hunt more like South Alabama that have like big private properties is like they're still in that old mindset or old school mindset of like I just want to have a bunch of deer. Yeah, and they're trying to like grow well, a big deer. But oh, they, well, a lot of those guys came from like doe days when you weren't allowed to shoot does. For sure, and, and you know, kind of growing that kind of culture of like the state. 
But it's like a lot of those people I still see, they're like, man, I want to kill some big bucks, but like they don't ever kill enough does. And they have like, you know, a mature doe running around 75 pounds. Yeah. You know, mature bucks like 130, 140 pounds. Kind of like, you know, one of our SOAs that we've hunted on. Like they just don't get big because there's so many of them. There's not enough food for them. Yeah. And, uh, and like all, you know, all their food plots are like mowed down to like, you know, half an inch, quarter inch <laughs> about tall. Lip high yeah, about, about lip high. They're ripping the roots out <laughs> of, of all that, uh, winter wheat that they plant. And dude, it's, it was just crazy down there. Crazy, crazy. Yeah. But like that, that was like some of my first experiences, like hunting in Alabama. Like if we weren't hunting the family farm, we were always going South to do Yeah, hunt. dude, that, that's such a cool place, man. Like I, I remember I jumped my first ever wild covey of quail, um, down and it was in Dallas County or I think it was Dallas County. It was around the town of Sprott, the booming town of Sprott, Alabama. <laughs> Ain't nothing around there. Or uh, and Highburger around there. Around, it used to be a place called the Highburger Cafe. That's the other thing, dude. Like when you're out there, kind of in the middle of nowhere, there everything is local. Yeah. And so, like, dude, we used to have like yeah, there's no fast food. Yeah, right? dude. We go meet at the Calico Kitchen at freaking four o'clock in the morning, and they're open and they're serving, and there's a bunch of rabbit hunters in there. Like yeah. everybody in there is wearing camo, about to go rabbit hunting. There's dog boxes in the parking lot. And they're open on Saturday for the rabbit hunters. Dude, it's dude, it was so cool, dude, dude. I brought up this business concept one time, and like we never did anything with it. I really don't want to do it, but I, I think somebody could like for real roll with this. Uh-huh. If someone had, okay, and I don't know what kind of permits you'd have to have to do this. If you had a food truck that served biscuits and like breakfast food, and you went to like some of these different gun hunts on some of these bigger WMAs that get a lot of gun pressure. Oh, you make killing. And you showed it to the check station, especially back in the day. Now it's different now. Back in the day, and I said back in the day, it was like seven years ago, where you had to go and actually get a physical permit on gun hunts. Like you yep. had to show up at the check station. Everybody got in the line at 3 a.m., 4 a.m., mm-hmm. and there might be 400 people in line, and you had to get a paper permit to be able to gun hunt that yeah. day, okay? Mm-hmm. I was like, man, if somebody had a biscuit like food truck right here serving <laughs> hot food, you, dude, you might freaking rock and roll and just jump from like gun hunt to gun hunt in different places, man. It, but now it's not the same anymore because now it's, you know, yeah, it, it's not the same because now you just check it on the app and just go hunt. Uh-huh. But uh, I always thought about that, dude. Someone because I'd be so happy. I'd go. Buy oh, dude, I'd, I'd love dude, it, man. It could be eight dollar biscuit, dude. I'd buy it because I'm yeah. hungry as heck that morning. Get a hot cup of coffee, dude. While you're sitting in line. Oh my gosh, that'd be that'd be epic. Yeah. I don't so know, if dude. anybody out there wants to do that, I think you can still do it, and you know, probably <laughs> do pretty good to serve some breakfast food. That's right. We'll advertise for you, <laughs> dude. Yeah, I, I'm curious, like, if anybody, uh, like. The only place I've ever like really ran into like that kind of culture where it's like okay, everybody's at the at the same restaurant at four o'clock in the morning. It's just a bunch of dudes like a bunch of rabbit hunters, you know, from back in the day. No. And and back then, it's like they all knew each other. Especially Mr. Benny, dude. You go anywhere in the state of Alabama, Mr. Benny knows somebody there at some you know random gas station out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. But it's like you'd be in there and and at four o'clock in the morning, and it's all rabbit hunters eating breakfast, or or at lunchtime at a different place, and there's like. I'm curious if any listeners out there have ever are familiar with any of these places. So, like, let's see. There's the Calico Kitchen, Highburger Cafe. It's not around anymore. Uh, the Twix and Tween. That's not around anymore. I think that was in Centerville. Uh, and there's a couple others. But I'm curious if anybody knows, like, if anyone recognizes those names. I would love to hear, like... Good stories right in. Yeah. Right? I want some listener stories. If you've ever been to the Twix and Tween, I think it's a Mexican dude, place now. Dude I, dude, I talked about this a while back of, like, you know, you have all these, like, food reviewers and stuff. Uh-huh. But if you, like, went around and reviewed, like, 
you know, from like a hunter standpoint, and like <laughs> went to all these like little hole in the wall little cafes and stuff, like uh-huh. around like places that have like that hunting culture. Even if it's not around public, but like you get down to some of those places where there's big hunting clubs and stuff. Yeah, and let's go and like review some of that food, man, from like a you know a good hunting spot. Did the, know, did good, the waitress ask if you get any if you got any rabbits dude, that morning? I'm te- <laughs> like, dude, yeah. Oh man, yeah. No y'all doubt. get into any cane cutters? Well, t- I'll tell you something that this to me this is an Alabama thing because like I don't think they have many. Of their restaurants, I say restaurants, fast food joint in other states, but Jack's. Oh, Jack's. Like if you if you live yeah. in Alabama, and I'm not talking about Jack in the Box for all you no. yuppies, okay? It's communism. I'm, I'm talking about Jack's. <laughs> talking about very good old red blooded American Jack's. <laughs> yeah, uh, but dude, like they make a good biscuit. They do, but no, see, but lie. see, they open real early. Typically, like a lot of times, like there's some I know, like out in the country, that will open at like 4:30 a.m., five yeah. o'clock. Okay. Yep. And we got them biscuits hot, son. And dude, as a kid growing up hunting with my uncles, that was like a morning ritual. Like if we went down to the the the, the uh, family farm, there's a yep. jack you got to pass on the way down there. It's always up like five thirty or something. Mm-hmm. We'd show up, go to the drive through, or go inside, grab a biscuit, mm-hmm. grab some coffee, whatever. Get up and then you know load up to the can- you know load up to the uh, to the farm, and you know we still have plenty of time to get in a tree oh, before before daylight. And oh. that's like one of those places you go into a jack, especially in the morning, especially like on a Saturday. If there's like a if there's a Jack's anywhere around a piece of public land, you go into a Jack's around like 10 a.m., 11 oh, yeah. a.m., oh. you're going to have guys in there in camo. That about brings a tear to my eye. I swear. <laughs> I swear. Dude. And you get all the old guys, all the old gentlemen sitting around in their overalls, you know, newspaper all talking and stuff. Hey. Dude, that that like, brings a tear <laughs> to my eye, man. God, it fires me up. Hey, that, that's like, that's like I saw our buddy, uh, I think it was... Uh, God bless America. I think America. it was uh, Kyle Huffsetter. Um, he made a post, or like he shared a post. It was like, I can't wait to be old enough where me and all my buddies go to Jack's in the morning at like 6 a.m., grab a cup of coffee, oh, and just listen. like sit around and gossip. Dude, oh, bro. Oh, <laughs> That's what God. all the older guys do, like all these like small small communities where you have a Jack's at. God, that fires me up. <laughs> that fires me up, boy. I love dude, it. Dude, when I, go to spend, when I used to go spend the night uh, with my grandparents, my mom's parents, uh, who that's like the hunting side of the family, uh, for like a weekend or something, we'd always would wake up like on a Saturday morning and my granddad and me at like 6 a.m. would go down to the local Jack's and go get like, you know, a couple biscuits and all that stuff and bring them back and eat them at the house. And that's like, dude, oh my gosh. you're talking about like childhood memories. <laughs> what? We had a conversation. We were trying to get Jack's to sponsor the show at one yeah, point. Yeah. Man. Working on it. Working yeah. on it. That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. <laughs> They're trying to get in better shape, but you know, a little yeah. Jack's biscuit. I, you know, dude, what? Got a bulk up. I'll tell you a hot tip. You get the chicken biscuit, okay? I ain't doing that right now because I'm dropping some weight. I'm like 22 pounds down, guys, since like January yeah. the 9th. But like, dude, you get a Jack's chicken biscuit, add egg and cheese to it. Blow your mind. I get down with that. Oh, yeah. I get You knocked your hat off. What are you doing? I'll get too excited talking about Jack. Sorry. <laughs> you just get fired up talking about Jacks. Dude, I, oh my gosh, I love that. But that you talk about like nostalgia of like. Oh, for sure. You like, there's that one spot. And I think every state probably has something like that or like your own community, like wherever you're hunting at. Yeah. Whether like you're like in Georgia, Arkansas, Mississippi, Louisiana, wherever. Like your hunting community, wherever you're at, there's probably something like that. There's a little hangout. Dude, that would be like a cool little like blog series or like just a highlight like people ride oh, in I would love like that. people ride in like y'all ought to ride in for real like on the contact form now, the contact form is not down in the show notes typically it's listener success and q a's but you can go over to the website southoutdoorsman.com there's a contact form and you ought to ride in like your favorite little stop even if it doesn't exist anymore like andrew was saying yeah and like that would be something cool to like bring up and to see like what other listeners have like ever been there oh before. yeah oh that'd be yeah dude like the high burger cafe the dining area was about the size of this room <laughs> we're in a very small room yeah it's a it's a, it's a pain to record podcasts in here uh but no i would love for people to ride in with that stuff that would be really fun to see like there's a there's a place where we were just hunting um 
You probably, I don't, you probably never went in there because it doesn't even look like an actual business. No, it looks super sketchy. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's it's just like a cinder block building, and it doesn't even look like. But you go in there, and it used to be there was like an old lady that worked there, and she'd like make you a hamburger, mm-hmm. and uh, like we're just in there, and there's nothing that indicates that there's hamburgers for sale. But you'd be checking out. She's like, "You boys want a hamburger?" And we'd be like, "You make hamburgers?" She's like, "Yeah." And we're like, "Yeah." So we could just hang out there, and that's where the guys and they used to have a big. Uh, like pin board up there mm-hmm. where people would bring in pictures, you know, and, and pin it. And so you can you see what coming off that local WMA. And, and those pictures weren't getting posted on Facebook, baby. No. You go in there and see what's actually getting killed out there. Well, hey, I'll tell you another thing. Uh, so the high school I went to back in Arkansas and everything, there was like that town is, I mean, tiny. It's like 450 people in that town. They had one gas station there and the gas station served food. Mm-hmm. And like we'd always go in there and dude, hunt, I'm telling you, Hunt's Brother Pizza. That was like mm. the thing. That's where I learned about Hunt's Brother Pizza. Okay? Oh yeah, and uh, but dude, they would serve like homemade meatloaf and like mashed potatoes. They do burgers. They do all kinds of stuff. And dude, we go down there. We'd walk from school down there, like me and like fifteen friends. Yep. And I'm telling, we would spend some money. Okay. <laughs> and like they'd be back there cooking. We'd just be hanging out like after practice or something, like grabbing some food. And like they had just like you're talking about, it had like maybe like six booths in there uh-huh. and like a couple little tables that you could sit in like way back in the back and we just sit there and just like grab oh. a couple of drinks or get get you a fountain drink man just oh, go sit yeah, down listen. oh dude there, there's only one gas station now that I, that I know where I go get like a legit breakfast I, you know where it's at oh yeah you take 145 yeah, yeah. all the way down next to the peach baby yep and they got like I mean, there's like a dude back there like frying eggs. Like you get like a couple fried eggs. I always go in there and I get like four eggs and like bacon and sausage. Like, mm-hmm. dude, they piled up. And it's always like, you know, some nice old lady. Dude, up there is nothing. I'm like, I'm like, let me get some of that bacon. She's like, how much you want, baby? Dude, dude, and I'm like, give me, keep piling. I mean, like, claw that sucker out of there. Like, <laughs> I want all the bacon you got. Anyways. No, hey, that's that's another thing I brought we up. We get too excited about gas station food. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's another thought I had of like a segment of the podcast is like highlighting like other like, like again, these gas stations that serve like awesome oh, food. Yes. Because like those are some of the best spots to step into as well. Like we went to one. Where, yes. I don't know where the heck we were at. Uh, we drove. Um, where did we go? Oh, it's on the way down the SOA. When you take a one of the back roads, oh. there's that gas station that God. had like, oh, dude, it called? had like what's legit breakfast food, man. Oh, what's it called? I can't. That was that place. Should we say the town it's in? I don't even know the town it's in. I know the town it is. Should we say the name of the town? I don't know. I mean, it's kind of out there. Uh, God, what's it called? It's like the Frog something. Like, oh yeah, it, yeah, yeah. And, but you go, but we pulled up. And there's like 15 old guys out front in overalls. Camo. And they're they're talking about what they saw that morning or whatever. It was awesome. Because we rolled through at like 10 a.m. In the middle. I'm talking the middle of nowhere. Yeah, dude. And they're just, they're they're all out there. You ain't getting there by accident, okay? Absolutely not. (laughs) And yeah, it's like the... Like the like the hopping frog, the hopping frog or something, something like, like it's that. a gas yeah. station. But yeah, they had that, and all the guys out front, and we were kind of in a hurry because we were gonna be late from the meeting. Uh, and we got some biscuits and everything. Well, we got some biscuits, and they were all sitting there talking out front about what they'd seen that morning. And all all I wanted to do was go like just you know shoot the crap with those guys, shoot the breeze with them with a cup of coffee, and be like, "What y'all see this morning?" You know? Yeah. But we had to go. Yeah. Oh, that was cool. Dude, I'll, t- hey, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you one thing, dude. If you do that, if you go to one of the spots and if you have anything on, like if you're wearing like First Light or Sitka or anything, walking into one of the spots, you get looked at a certain way. For sure. If, if you're not wearing, you better be wearing some bottom land. Like if you're not wearing like some old school Mossy Oak or like Realtor or something, like. Or you, better yet, be wearing camo that you bought in 2006. 
and it's faded. Oh, got yeah. some tears yeah, in it. If you get that, it's like instant, you like, instant cred. cred. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, if, you, if you have anything like technical apparel and you walk into one of those places, people are like, who the heck is this snob nose kind of uh, guy? That's so true. Because I've, I've had, dude, I, dude, yeah, I had. <laughs> so, we, yeah, when we, when we killed our bucks, we cruised back through there, and I, we were parked in front of that same gas station. This is like five days later. Oh, you had the bucks strapped to and it. We had the bucks strapped to the back, and we were wearing our camera or whatever. And we, the first time we went in there, ain't no one said a word to us. We yeah. were camoed up and everything. That time, there's people coming out of the woodworks. I think you were in the restroom or something. Yeah. But I had all kinds of people walking up. They're all like, you had a pretty good morning, didn't you? <laughs> you know. And we got to talk to all these different people, tell them about the bucks. But that's I love that, dude. Hey, I'll tell you something else. <sighs> it's kind of funny talking talk about wearing camo. Uh, I went to church. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this past this uh, this past Sunday, and I had my solitude uh, uh or not solitude source vest on, uh-huh. and I kept seeing this guy like looking at me, kind of weird. Like you just, went to church in camo, camo vest. You know, I have okay. a you know camo jacket on, but it, it was cold. It was cold. I, you know, you know trying to get first, I make a solid color in that vest because I'd wear it all the time. But um, anyways, when, I, when we were leaving church, this guy came and tapped me on the shoulder. He's like, he's like, man, you like the jacket too. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, dude, I got the jacket and the vest. He's like, man, I love that stuff. He's oh, like, he's, nice. And I'm like, and he didn't even know who I was. He didn't, he, conversation he, started yeah, right like there. Yeah, he brought it up. I was like, okay, cool, dude. I'm like, I ain't had that happen. Before. Oh, that's hilarious, dude. Yeah, there's something to be said about the gas stations, man, like the gas station culture. Dude, what, that, that, like, that is like, when I think of like old school hunting camp, like again, when uh-huh. I was growing up hunting with my uncles and stuff, this is like early 2000s, going to like these like camp, like these different like, Hunting camps, hunting clubs, and stuff—that's like what picks like goes to my mind. It's like you always went to this gas station, oh, yeah. all, like way out in the middle of the country, got a biscuit. Mm-hmm. They talked a lot of older guys there, all chit chatting about the hunt, and then we load back up and get ready. You head out to the stand, hundred percent. Like when me and my buddy Grant were uh, teenagers, we we both killed bucks on like the same. It was Thanksgiving break, and we we're out of school. We we're like sixteen. Uh, I kill a buck. J- um, uh, Grant kills a buck. And we were hunting off like that same mm, area, Shelby mm-hmm, County, mm-hmm. and we had them in the back of my truck. And at yeah. the time, listen, dude, at the time, <laughs> I was driving a uh, 01 Tacoma that was like beat up. None of the windows rolled down. AC didn't work. On the back, a I had deer a, killer's ride. I had I, on the back, I had an AON Alabama Outdoor News sticker, and I had a giant sticker on the tailgate with a steel trap on it that said "Trapping an American Heritage." So we go like, dude, we we roll up to that gas station, which fit in perfectly in Green Pond, Alabama, mm-hmm. and we roll up to the Green Pond Grocery with uh with both of those bucks in the back, and we just parked out front and just. Like everyone in the everyone that drove by freaking whipped in that parking lot, dude. There's all these girls showing up from Green Pond of Woodstock taking pictures with our deer and everything. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, dude, for a day, me and Grant were the two most famous people in Green Pond, Alabama. <laughs> Which if you blink, you miss it. Yeah, yeah. for sure. That's where Drayton Farley's from, you know? Woodstock. Yeah, Woodstock. Woodstock and Green Pond are like right there next to each yeah. other. Yeah. But yeah, that's where that's where old Drayton Farley's from. Mm-hmm. You hear that new song? That new Drayton Farley yeah, song? Yeah, yeah. The cover, uh, uh, what's it called? In Faith? Have Faith in Me. Have Faith in Me, yeah. It's good. Muscadine Bloodline. Pretty good. It's pretty good. Pretty good. But pretty yeah, dude, that, oh, I just, I love that, that gas station culture, man. <laughs> we could do a whole podcast on gas stations. Dude, y'all need, a, station y'all need a ride in. I want to, I want to hear some recommendations. That would be a fun video series to do where you just go around. Dude, I'm telling you. That would be a about freaking that. blast. Dude, like you go hunt and like the hunt's not really even like part of the show. Yeah. It's just like you kind of show a little bit of the hunt and then you like go like hit up like the local diner, the local gas station. You just food, hang out. And you just hang out and just like like film and talk to people, dude. It'd be oh awesome. my gosh, that would be a blast. That you would get some sideways looks 
freaking run of the DSLR in one of those places. Maybe, huh? <laughs> or a mirrorless camera. People would be like, uh, what are you doing? But, you know, I think it, I think it would turn out pretty good. Yeah, I, I think, think you could have some success with it. It'd be awesome. God, I'm so fired up. I, I really want people to write in on this subject <laughs> so bad. I've never been so excited about people writing I, in. Me neither, dude. Especially if you're, like, familiar with the areas that we talked about. I want to hear your stories from the same areas. But like Jacob said, I also want to hear if you in Georgia, if you in Tennessee, Florida, Louisiana, Mississippi, wherever. I want to hear about uh, your, like, local spots. I want people to send in pictures, do it on Facebook, do it on Instagram, contact form on the website, whatever you got. And I want to I want to see what you got. I want to share Dude, something. That could, be, that could be a new social media post. Yes. I'll just, like, talk about, like, all these, like, spots. Oh, 100%. 100%. Especially, like... Especially if you get, like, old oh, photos, like Daniel yes. did, oh. where it's, like, the place is still around, but, like, you got, like, old photos of, like, oh, a buck in the truck. Dude, like, be. a freaking, like, a, a 1980s Ford. Just like just sitting there, oh, dude, that would be epic. Or strapped to like a G- Grand Cherokee and just like you know, yep, <sighs> old Chevy K five or oh, a yeah. old Ford Bronco. Yes, I used to have a K five. It was a piece of crap. <laughs> God <laughs> bless it. Just offended a bunch of people. It was a cool truck, but it was a piece of junk mechanically. Yeah. Anyways, let's do some Q and A. Let's do some Q and A. Enough about gas station food. My inner fat kids. <laughs> Clawing his way back out and want to go. You know what's, you know right what's the one of the best parts about the gas station food? I get this last part. You know how they always have like pies, like like they get like homemade pies. Oh, 100 percent. It's like a little bitty pie. <laughs> oh, hundred percent. Like sometimes they have it sliced pie and it's like oh. it's, it's like wrapped for you. It's like it's like unwrapping your own little present, man. Every time. Listen, <laughs> we're on our SOA hunt this year. Yeah, I went to just such a gas station while you were still in the woods. You uh, little fatty. Yeah, I did. I swear. To, uh, yeah, look, and I didn't tell you because I knew you were going to give me hell. But uh, <laughs> but I had to I had to go find some internet. I'm like looking. I'm like working because I had to go I had to go do something for work. Mm-hmm. And I was like, where can I go? And I'm like looking, and there's a gas station up the road. So I was like, I'll just go to that gas station and get like a. I think I wanted to get like an energy drink or something. And so I go up to that gas station. I walk in and I open that door. Get that pecan just, pie. No, the freaking. I mean, just a wall of fried chicken hits me in the face. <sighs> and I'm like, be- I'm like, ain't no way I'm getting out of Dude, here without some fried chicken. ain't nothing better than a, some good gas station or like local diner fried chicken. Dude, I walked up in there and they had like homemade <laughs> cookies. They had pie slices and everything. They had they had key lime pie slices in the fridge that were homemade and it was like made by freaking Martha down the street or something. Oh. I'm just like, oh. Yeah, so I went, I went a little crazy there. I, I wasn't <laughs> feeling too good after I ate all that food, but, you know. You got the old bubble gut when you hit back in the woods. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, it's kind of food that you eat it, and then, like, 30 minutes later, you just feel like someone shot you with a tranquilizer gun, and you're just like, uh, see, but see, that's why we'd go eat there, like, after a hunt, like, a morning hunt, and then you go take a nap afterwards. Oh, dude. And then you wake up, you're like, let's go. Yeah, Like, it's back <laughs> at it, man. You go sleep in the truck, sleep in the bed of the truck. Have you seen the meme where it's like, uh, it's like, you know, the, uh, Lord uh, nourishes oh, yeah. food to our bodies and our bodies to your soul. And it's like, it's like the food is like fried chicken yeah, and like gravy. And, and, like, and, it's like, like, and it's like the Lord. And it's, he's like, Jesus, oh my God. Yeah, Jesus <laughs> like, oh, I don't know about this one, man. <laughs> that, that cracks me up. Because, you know, if you grew up like a Southern Baptist, uh, especially, mm-hmm. like that's how I grew up. You uh that that's every time you that's a prayer and it don't matter what's it's like mac and cheese mashed potatoes and gravy it's like Lord please <laughs> let this food nourish our bodies <laughs> oh my god and, and then you wonder why you start looking like Jake after a few years <laughs> oh yeah I took I took that to heart 
Oh, nourished you a little too good. All right, back to back to Q and A's. Right, Q and A's. Where can people do Q and A's? Appreciate Jacob? everybody submitting Q and A. So again, down in the show notes <laughs> below, while we're getting distracted, you're talking about food. Hey, uh, if you enjoy this conversation, by the way, share this with a buddy this time of year. Even yeah, this time of year, be like, hey, listen to these guys talk about gas station food. Absolutely, Get, share it. Send us some, the, to the, the people. The man. best segments of all time. Oh, hundred uh, percent. But yeah, so you can send in uh, your Q and A's, your questions uh, that we'll answer on these outro episodes down in the show notes below in the podcast, both on the audio feed and on YouTube. There's a link down there you can click, or you just go over to the website southernoutdoorsman.com there's a tab you can fill out your Q&A question and uh, we'll answer them on the podcast so uh, we've got a few today and uh, let's see what we got here Houndstooth Game Calls Dixie Hen Slate was just voted the overall best turkey call about field and stream outdoors. And trust me, it's super easy to run and be extremely dynamic when you're in the turkey woods. Now, we've mentioned a couple of these calls in the past, like the Spur Master and the Success Call in a past episode with both Gary Vines and Lyle Gilbert of Houndstooth Game Calls. And it was funny enough, y'all actually bought every Spur Master call and success call they had. Now, pay attention to their website. They're going to have some more come up in stock in the next few days. So when they come available, make sure you get one if you did not purchase one before they sold out last time. Both the Spurmaster and the Success Call are fantastic for hunting high-pressure turkeys, whether you're on a hunting club where you have a lot of other members hunting those same turkeys, or if you're on public land. Again, both of those calls will make you sound a little bit different from everybody else and be a lot more subtle in your calling technique and be able to really help close those distance with those gobblers. So if you want to give Houndstooth Game Calls a try, go to houndstoothgamecalls.com. Use the promo code SOP24. Again, promo code SOP24 for 15% off houndtoothgamecalls.com. True Lock Chokes has been made in Georgia since 1981 and offering a wide range of chokes, over 2,000 different chokes for all kinds of shooting activities. You might be wondering why you'd want to purchase a True Lock Choke and it's to improve your shotgun performance. Absolutely guaranteed. And as a great example, we have Andrew Maxwell here. And, uh, Andrew, you've had some pretty good luck, again, kind of switching out chokes and trying out the Precision Hunter choke from True Lock. So, Andrew, what's been your experience so far? Yeah, I've, always, I've used the same choke for several years now. I never really thought much of it, and I got the True Lock choke in. I patterned my gun with the first choke at uh, 30 and 50, and then I switched to the True Lock and changed from 30 to 50. And the 50-yard pattern on my gun with the True Lock choke is unbelievable like everybody's jaws were dropping like when we were out there with mike and sam we were all super impressed i mean it's throwing a better pattern at 50 now than it was throwing at 40 before my old choke and andrew you're shooting the precision hunter choke from true lock it's a great option same chokes i have in my shotgun so guys if you want to give true lock a shot this spring you could head over to truelockchokes.com that's t-r-u L-O-C-K chokes.com. You can also use the promo code Southern at checkout at truelockchokes.com and save 10% on your order. Again, give TrueLock a shot this spring, especially if you're not happy with the performance of your shotgun and shoot with a more deadly pattern with TrueLock. Uh, this is from Dakota Williams from Alabama. He said, all right, I've been hunting all season, and it's December. You can tell we're a little behind on these questions. Uh, I found scrapes, rubs, feed trees, etc., literally everything, but I have yet to see a deer. I need help. Maybe I just suck at hunting. <laughs> so my take on this is if you're finding the, the scrapes, the rubs, and the feed trees, if you're, if you're really finding feed trees that are like hot, fresh, fresh tracks, fresh droppings, like hot, fresh feed trees that they're using right now, and you're still not seeing deer, that tells me that your access is probably screwed up. 
What's your take on yeah, that? Yeah, probably. Or they're smelling you or seeing you when you're in the tree, something like that. <clears throat> also, take that. That's great. Now go find the thick cover. Because you're talking about yes. you know December, January time period. Leaves are completely off the trees. It is barren. Those deer are going to hug even tighter to that thicker cover. So you got to like move close to that. That's not necessarily like it used to be back in like October, November for us, where you find that and like the deer just meandering through everything because there's leaves on all the trees, all the bushes, all the shrubs, everything. So there's a lot more cover available. Uh, so definitely taking that consideration. Like even if you're finding that sign, might be nighttime sign, especially if it's wide open woods. Yep. So what's the best adjacent thick cover? And then focus your efforts in and around that thick cover and you'll probably start having more observations. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Or or you get you, you know, a couple buddies, which y'all are gonna hear about this on Monday's episode. You get you a couple buddies and you just like, hey man, I'll pay you ten bucks to go walk that thick cover. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna sit on the crosswind down one side of the bottom side of this thicket and mm. y'all just start walking through it. Yeah, and then you know, y'all get in there. You know, when make I sure start you bring I, your briar britches. When I start shooting, you hit the floor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with that for sure though. Uh thick cover and Double, triple check your access route, whether you're being loud walking in, whether your wind is blowing to where the deer are coming from walking mm -hmm. in. So, like, when you're looking at the wind direction for your stand, you also got to obviously look at the wind direction for when you're walking. Like, where are the deer at when you're walking in? They're going to be in that thick cover. But as you're walking in, are you, like, blowing out that thick cover? Um, which, without complicating the answer too much, I think sometimes you can actually get away with, especially down here in, like, really thick, thick areas yeah potentially especially if they're not like, bedded right on the edge of it and they're kind of in it a little ways yeah just just because you walk past an area and your maybe your wind's blown in there does not mean that they necessarily blow out the backside at least in in pine country also, super thick also stuff. if you're in that situation this is when again trail cameras can be very handy yes. but you trail camera on a scraper some that that feed sign you're finding and see when are they using it yes you know that can kind of tell you you know are they using it during daylight or are they using it if they're using it in daylight when you're not there and then you show up and they're not showing up they can smell you, hear you, or see. Yeah, or any combination of those. We three. just had that experience with the the listener who we ran into, like who got us on cell camera. You've been talking to him quite a bit. Yeah, and I think we're going to line up a scouting date with him now, which I'm I'm excited about. Yep. Uh, but it, he was talking about basically that where he's getting deer pretty consistently in daylight mm -hmm. in like, this general like, area, like bucks. But then when someone when people are hunting that, they kind of disappear for a couple of days, or or was it? When we walk in there, like it died. It dies. It died. But then he said the second someone leaves within an hour and a half, one of these bucks show up. So what does that tell you? That tells you that they obviously are seeing, smelling, or hearing us walking in. Or, or again, all three. Or yeah, any combination of the three. Yeah. So uh, so the deer, they're on to us. They don't yeah. pattern this, but what? So uh, anyways, all right. Um, Dakota, uh, I'd, I'd be curious if you uh, if you write back in. You know, we're answering this now right here at the end of Alabama's deer season. But how'd the rest of the season go for you, man? I'm I'm very curious to hear that. Uh, let's go to this one. This one ought to be interesting. All right, this is from Michael Moore from oh, Florida. I like the topic. <laughs> hey guys, I took a buddy on his first hunt. I have a great spot on blah blah blah. I'm not gonna name the place. I started using Onyx a few weeks ago. It has been a game changer to say the least. We hunted from the ground, and he's a smoker. So the question is, how are deer affected by cigs? What had happened was, <laughs> he lit up, and in four minutes, we knew how many deer we were surrounded by six. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Keep up the amazing work. So I'm assuming they started blowing at you or something. Um, <sighs> dude, I don't know. I've hunted around a bunch of guys who Look, smoke. I, I got stories on this. Hey, Chris Jenkins. We interviewed Chris Jenkins, and he prefers... 
uh, to smoke a big old cigar. That's where I was going to get at. I actually do that sometimes. Okay. I like a good cigar. So ba- back in high school, my old football coach, who also was our history teacher, um, he was a diehard cigar smoker, okay? And he's like, I've never killed a buck. In, in, he, he had a pre-hung stand, corn pile. This is Arkansas. You know, you can hunt for corn. He's like, I've never killed a buck without a cigar in my hand. He's like, I always have a cigar in my hand. He's he actually he's he's he thought he's like, man, I think it's like cover shit. They yeah. get down one of me. There's like, man, that's, like that's a, that's is a, that a Rocky Patel? That's a pretty good. Wow, that smells pretty good over there, man. You know, dip it in a little dough esters, light little, it up. A little Maduro. Yeah, dip it in a little dough esters, light it up. You know, you're, you're good to go for cover scent. No, I'm joking about that. I don't do that. Um, but I, I know a lot of guys who are big deer killers that smoke cigarettes and and have no issue using them. My thing is. If they can smell a cigarette, they can it, smell you. Probably. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I'm curious if c- cigarettes smell because, like, when we did the episode with uh, Tom Brownlee, which I think's three fifteen. I think it's episode three fifteen with Tom Brownlee. Uh, Truth about scent. Let me, let me look it up real quick. But he talked about he's like the way deer and dogs, especially like dogs, smell things mm-hmm. is not like the way we smell things. Like we think something smells stronger than something else. A dog's capability. They they can it's almost like they can smell everything almost equally is the way he talked about like there's some sense that yeah are stronger but it's like what you perceive to be like a strong smelling odor like gasoline yeah to a dog he can still differentiate that to um, you know rubber to human odor to whatever yeah um, so it, it's not necessarily the same but the thing is all the guys I know that like are hardcore smokers that kill big deer typically they're not hunting on the ground or in an elevated position and the thing is if you're especially if you're smoking like in the morning. Like I, I'm not a cigarette smoker, um, but like if you're smoking in the morning, especially like a rising thermal, it's gonna lift up and out of there. Like it's not probably gonna linger unless it's like a high pressure day, a lot of humidity in the air, and it just kind of settles down. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't. I, I don't, if you smoke, fine. Like I don't think you gotta. I mean, definitely, it's not good for you. Definitely, you, know, you can't <laughs> quit. Like I think it will all be better. My dad's a smoker. I've been trying to get him to quit forever. Um, so, but. I, I I don't know. I mean, it's just one of those things you just kind of kind of deal with. But it's kind of funny though. The second he said he, the guy lit a cigarette, <laughs> they knew exactly how many around him. So I'm like, well, clearly they didn't care too much about your scent. But when they smelled the cigarettes, like whatever, they've been shot at by some old boy who's been smoking cigarettes probably. <laughs> and they're like, definitely don't like that smell. Yeah, yeah, I agree with all that. I mean, yeah, just if you play the wind, I don't really think it matters uh, whether or not you're smoking a cigarette. Like, I don't think it, I don't think it matters any more than like if you spill gasoline on your boots or something uh, on your way out to the woods or just, or any other, you know, strong scent that, that might be out there like scaring the deer. I mean, if they can smell you, they can smell so, you. I mean, I think that's my So, and more, more detail on this, and this is by far, like if you're a newer listener, you haven't listened to this episode, this is definitely like a must go back and listen to episode. It's episode 315, The Truth About Scent with Tom Brownlee. Yes. Okay? Highly, highly, highly recommend going and listening to that episode. That came out in December of 2021. So again, episode 315, The Truth About Scent with Tom Brownlee. Go back and listen to that episode. It will open your eyes to the sitting capabilities of not only dogs, which Tom Brownlee is a nationally known canine instructor, training drug dogs and stuff like that. Um, also an adjunct professor at a university, I think it's Montana State University, something like that, and teaches actually a course on uh, dog sitting capabilities. But we, he's also a big game hunter, hunts elk, hunts deer, whole nine yards. And we talked about the the similarities between a dog's nasal structure and like what they're capable of doing compared to like a, a deer's. But also we learned in the episode that a deer has a stronger 
smelling capacity than a dog does. Yeah. So it, it's super fascinating. Again, go back and listen to that episode and definitely help you out. But yeah, yeah, yeah Michael. By the way, Michael, uh, that place y'all were hunting on, I've been interested in hunting there. We're not going to mention on the podcast. Yes. But uh, I have been very interested in coming down there hunting. Uh, We've interviewed some guys that hunt there. We, we interviewed one guy specifically that's hunted down there quite a bit and had a lot of success killing you know some really really good deer on those hunts and if you message us back we'll tell you who it was yeah yeah i actually sent you the episode too yeah um all right cool so yeah i think that settles that one uh last up this one is from sparky mitchell from alabama (laughs) interesting name uh can you have too many does does it push bucks off the property i was getting several bucks in 2020 uh since we've been getting nothing but a couple spikes during the rut, bucks will show up, but not the rest of the year. Uh, we do not have a lot of deer. Uh, seen as many as 15 does on a half acre food plot. What should we do? Shoot more does? Yep. Probably. Yes. So most other like habitat managers and especially guys that manage for like quality deer ratios talk about like if you can have a balanced herd ratio, it does a couple things. Not only it's it's a better health quality of the deer because there's less mouths to feed in the herd, uh, but because the thing is like you can't supplement feed enough to keep like body weights on the deer, okay? Because they're not just going to eat corn, they're not just going to eat your food pots. They browse and they browse a lot of your uh, native browse down, and all they have is your food pot and corn pile they're going to be struggling big time. Mm-hmm. Also, a lot of guys we've had on the podcast, and even like different biologists we've had on talked about this, if you have way too many does, it does make for a much more like drawn-out rut yeah. because those does only come into heat for three days. And if a buck has, like if a buck knows, that, you know, it's five-year-old buck, he's lived on the landscape for five years, he spends enough time out there to kind of know all his different doe groups that he's going to bounce around from. And if he only has, if he has seven does in a doe group and they're all going to be coming to heat, you know, within, you know, a certain window of time and they're going to be in heat for three days, roughly be able to be bred. Uh, he's going to be locked down and busy for a long period of time. So you're not going to see a lot of activity. And we've personally seen it in places. Like if we hunted like some of these pieces of public that have really off whack doe, buck to doe yeah. ratios, which we do have in Alabama because a lot of pieces of public in Alabama, you can't gun hunt for does many days. You know, Nash Forest is a little bit different, but like on a lot of management areas, they might have one or two either sex hunts where you could kill a doe. And a lot of people still don't even do it. You know, there's a handful of people that might do it, but I don't know many people that go to a public land and you go shoot a doe with a rifle. So you, not many of those does get killed during bow season. So you see these weird kind of like rut patterns where like you might catch a buck kind of cruising through, but you don't ever see that hard chasing. Yeah. And again, a lot of biologists talk about it's because you have your sex ratio off and you have way too many does. So we're actually doing this and testing this out right now on the family farm. Andrew or Anthony's killed, I think five does. He's going to try to kill a couple more before the end of the season. And, uh, He's noticed a little bit more of a difference just on like that the health of the deer of the last couple of years. He's been trying to do that, and his neighbors, nobody, none of his neighbors shoot does, yeah. so they like to funnel into his property. So he's just like hammering does on this eighty acre parcel, and like we've interviewed uh, Matt and Adam, Matt Die and Ad, or <laughs> hold on, <laughs> Adam Keith, Matt Die, Adam Keith, Matt Die from Land Legacy. I always get the names back backwards sorry guys uh and, and they've talked about this like this is something that can like dramatically affect not only like the quality of your deer and like let your bucks express their full potential because there's plenty of natural forage for them but also letting you have a much more tight rut in that area uh, which gives you you know more bucks kind of cruising around covering more ground because there's less does from the breed which is kind of backwards because we've had past, past podcast guests saying they'd never shoot a doe in a certain spot because it's like that little honey hole where there's always like a group of does that they can go hunt um 
and maybe they're in a lower deer number area, lower deer density, that's fine. But if you're in an area you're seeing 15 does on a quarter acre plot, that's not all the does on that property. Yeah. So yeah, you probably could kill a bunch of them. But like that, that's where like finding somebody um, who does like uh, you know property management work from like a herd management standpoint, and like there's a bunch of different like biologists that will do that as well, and hire them to come out and actually do surveys and figure out exactly how many does you have on a property and deer on the property and figure out how many y'all should take on that property. Yeah, uh, on the does it push bucks off the property? I don't know necessarily. Like if a buck has an established home range, if all of a sudden doe numbers increase over a couple years, uh, whether he's going to like move off of that property, I think that would maybe have less to do with the does and have more to do with the habitat. Again, kind of going back mm-hmm. to what you were just saying, like you know, if if his pe- favorite pine thicket kind of ages out and all that cover depletes and and gets shaded out and dies back, then yeah, he's probably going to leave. Um, but if if you've got bucks in the past and then all of a sudden now you're not getting them anymore, then I don't know if you've tried this or not. Again, I just all I have is like the question that you wrote in to go off of. But maybe try moving your cameras around a little mm-hmm. bit more. I don't know what you're running your cameras on, but if you've been running them, like let's just say you've been running them on a bunch of scrapes, well maybe move them to like food plots and see what's showing up with the food plot at night or vice versa if you've been running them on food plots or corn piles or corn piles maybe go find a scrape to put them on or a random trail going through a hub or a saddle or something like go like get out there and start getting in between all the food plots the corn piles and and breaking the property down and and just getting your cameras on other stuff because it was kind of the same with with our hunting club these last couple years it just doesn't seem like it's holding a lot of deer and it I still don't think it's holding a lot of deer, but year one, we went from getting basically like zero bucks on camera that I wanted to kill. And, you know, we didn't run a ton of cameras, but we ran cameras in what I consider to be good spots. Didn't really get anything noteworthy on camera until after season. Got the 10 point on camera on February 14th last year, which is four days after our season closed. This year, we made some adjustments and we ended up getting, I think, it's somewhere in the 20s, between like 20 and like 28 different bucks on camera on the property, uh, and probably four of them were shooters, and uh, two of them are dead, for yeah. sure. I killed one, and then another guy in the club killed another one. But the I think the two, the, the two, two of the bigger ones are still alive. The biggest one's still alive, as far as we know. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, that just goes to show that moving those cameras around, they were there the whole time. Even though the property is really underwhelming, we don't even find a lot of bucks on in our property, period. We don't find a lot of rubs. We don't find a lot of scrapes. But just adjusting those cameras, and some of the places that we were getting these, de- these bucks on camera weren't on food sources, and they weren't on... Uh, buck sign. They were on trails and creek crossings, specifically trails and creek crossings, actually, is where we ended up getting these deer on camera. So I kind of had to abandon what I'd normally do and then picked up these deer that have been living there this whole time right under our nose, and we just were missing them the whole time. So I think, again, without knowing anything about your property, it's probably similar on your property. Like, there probably are good bucks using the property that you're just missing because of where you're running your cameras, potentially. So I'd be curious to, to get more context again i'd love for you to write back in and and give a little bit more context and maybe we can email back and forth about it or something got anything else sparky if you're not a mechanic (laughs) or like an electrician yeah you just man (laughs) you missed out on a great opportunity uh do we have any new reviews have you listened to that one yet no it's intense that's sean ryan show um uh let's see here 
Did we read that? Yeah, we did. Okay. So, all right. No new reviews. Y'all, come on. Let's get some new reviews up in here. Yeah. If, if, Apple Podcasts. If, if you've enjoyed the conversation today, especially our little segment, which took up most of the podcast, talking about, you know, different, you know, restaurants and gas stations and everything, go write <laughs> us a review. And actually, in the review, you could put in, you know, some of your thoughts on different spots oh, that, yeah. that were, like, nostalgic to you guys, especially growing up as a kid, or even places y'all go to now. Yeah, that'd be that'd be fun for sure. Uh, but we got, so, yeah, we got NWTF coming up. We got the Hunters Meetup coming up. Also, we've got another expo that we're going to be at that we're going to have a booth at. We're going to have merch for sale. We're going to be setting up some seminars, which are going to come. And that is the Eco Wild Expo in Mobile, Alabama, May 10th through the 12th. So May 10th through the 12th, be there in Mobile. We got a, a strong listening audience in that. Basically from uh, New Orleans to Pensacola, that whole Gulf Coast region. Yep. We got a lot of people that listen down there. So you better be at that show. It's going to be a good time. It's going to be an awesome time. So, again, give some love to the real deep South people. Yeah. Okay? The deepest of all yeah. South. It's people. like we got some buddies that live down there and they talk about, like, you know, where we live is like the deep South. He's like, man, y'all are three hours from the deep South. What are you talking about? <laughs> and I'm like, all right, all right. You know, oh, yeah. I guess dude. if you ain't se- celebrate Mardi Gras, you're not in the deep South. Yeah. It's going to be a fun expo, especially even if you live a couple hours from the coast. This be, I think, a good one to go to because. Uh, you're going to have this expo. It's going to be kind of a mix. There's going to be uh, hunting stuff there. there we're going to be there. There's also going to be other hunting companies there. Uh, but also they're going to have a lot of stuff uh, for kids. So if you got young kids, I think they're going to have like a touch tank for uh, all kinds of like aquatic critters, like those, I guess, horseshoe crabs and, and other stuff where like, you know, the kids can come and like play with the fish or whatever. <laughs> and uh, it's probably not the best way to put it. Uh, hey, listen, if there's a stinger in there, be careful. We don't need another Steve Irwin happy. <laughs> Get jabbed in the arm. Yeah. Uh, so they're, they're, that's going to be there. But also, you know, you come down to the expo. I'll tell you what, bro. You head on down. I mean, it, it ain't a far drive from Mobile. I mean, you're right there on the coast. You're right there in Mobile Bay. You can get on some saltwater action. Oh, yeah. A little redfish. Oh, a little redfish. Speckle trout. trout. Flounder, baby. Pompano. Mm. What you got? Mm. So, yeah, there's going to be a lot of saltwater stuff there, too. So there's going to be people selling saltwater gear. Uh, it's it's going to be a really, really fun expo. I'm looking forward to it. And I'm looking forward to doing a little surf fishing while we're oh, down yeah. there. Oh, yeah. We're going down to the beach. Dude, I love I, dude, it, it ruins fresh water for you. I love saltwater fishing. But anyways, that expo is going to be super fun. We're really excited. There's going to be more details to come on that. Uh, if you've got any questions about it, you can uh, hit us up, or you can go to the Eco Wilds website and check them out. Uh, it's kind of a newer show down there, and it's uh, I think it's going to be the biggest show in that area as far as like a hunting fishing thing goes. So, again, really excited about it. That's like I really love the Gulf Coast, man. We go at least once a year to the Gulf Coast. We have like my entire life. So it's going to be an awesome show. Um, we're going to try to line up uh, potentially some podcast guests or some seminars that have to do with that. It's so I was talking to our buddy that lives down there. And I was telling him, I'm like, dude, you live in such a unique place. The guy who wrote in from North Florida, uh, who's hunting that, who almost said it, uh, who's hunting that place in North Florida, that that is so unique, that sandy, uh, coastal plain type habitat. It is so unique that a lot of the stuff we talk about, you know, do, maybe doesn't transfer over like as good as as you think it would down there. Yeah. Uh, so like they, they just want a very unique area. So anytime you can get someone who's super specific to it, it's, it's really helpful to those guys down there. And you know, what's surprising. There's some guys that still kill some giant bucks down there. A hundred percent. Sandy dude. soils killing like 150 inch deer. Yeah. 140, 150 inch deer. Yeah. Like it's, it's insane. Cause yep. like you think about that and like, 
that's not the area of like the deep south. I think a lot of big deer would come from like that sandy soil. Like, yeah, maybe. Feel oh, like- I, I was shocked when I saw some of the deer that I've seen come come out of that oh, area. Yeah, yeah. Shocked. So, so yeah, you don't you don't want to miss this. It's gonna be a fun event. But uh, other than that, guys, appreciate y'all watching the podcast. Appreciate y'all listening to the podcast. Appreciate everybody getting writing reviews, writing listener success stories in, and writing in these Q and A questions. We love doing those. But uh, guys, you don't want to want to miss Monday's episode. It's gonna be a really fun episode. Again, probably gonna enjoy it. Be careful when you're driving. Don't wreck the truck. Um, you might be laughing pretty hard on it. So uh, <laughs> it's a good one. So make sure y'all tune in Monday for Monday's episode, and we appreciate y'all getting support in the podcast. So. Thanks again, and remember, guys, y'all stay seven. Look, last summer, y'all heard us talk a bunch about the Mobile Hunters Expo. It was an incredible event. A bunch of you guys came out to meet us. We got to talk to, I don't even know how many listeners. If you heard all that last year and you were like, dang, that sounded cool, I should have went to that. Here's your chance. You need to make it to this one. It's June 28th through June 30th in Dalton, Georgia. All right. Giving you a heads up here. So go ahead and mark it on your calendar. June 28th through June 30th, Dalton, Georgia is going to be the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo. We're going to be there. A bunch of our past podcast guests are going to be there. There's going to be seminars. All of the mobile hunting companies are going to be there for you to try out gear before you buy it. It's like the one event of the year where all of the the, like the mobile hunter ecosystem just kind of congregates in one place. And Chris and Josh and the guys have done an absolutely phenomenal job putting this thing together over the last couple years. And it keeps getting better every year. So like I said, make sure you come see us. We're going to have a gigantic stack of free stickers to give away to every listener that stops by the booth. And we're going to have merch there to purchase. We're going to be recording podcasts, shooting videos, all kinds of stuff. So like I said, don't miss it. You can head on over to the mobilehuntersexpo.com to look at show schedules and dates and go ahead and grab your tickets. So y'all go check it out at the mobilehuntersexpo.com.